0: Hi, everyone. This is Cece. This week's episode contains dark subject matter and materials that may not be suitable for all ages. Please be advised we will be discussing death, end-of-life care, and other subjects on mortality. If this is a subject you struggle to listen about or speak about, it may not be the right episode for you to listen to. However, I do encourage everyone to try, take a break if it gets too heavy, and really think about this because it is an important subject and it is worth talking about. This episode is also a little bit discombobulated because it was recorded in two parts and on two separate days. The first day we recorded about this subject was when we had heard about some news from the cupola and we weren't sure if it was true. And the second half of the podcast is when it was confirmed that the news we had heard was indeed true. And we work through and process that on the podcast thank you for joining us i hope you enjoy next week's will be a lot more lighthearted, but this kind of just slapped us in the face this week and we really had to talk it out i appreciate you listening talk soon
1: paper or plastic plastic okay disclaimer names and places have been changed to protect the staff and residents of the cupola we ask that no one seeks to out or to harass any of the people who live or work there. Rather, please listen with an open mind and remember that this is one community among many a very broken system. We could be telling the story of any senior living facility in the U.S. Our experience is our own and we do not claim to be experts, nor are we seeking revenge. We are working through our own heartbreak and believe that our story is worth telling. If for no other reason than to get it off our chest. Thank you for listening, and next time, bring your own damn bags.
0: to do with this information. I know. I feel like I'm in a murder mystery right now. I know, right? Oh yeah? Yeah. Do you
1: know how to solve the mystery? Find the murderer,
0: bring him to justice. The murderer was stress. Mm -hmm. Cece, I can't find anything. I feel like it's like a situation where it's like we interrupt your previously scheduled program because a news alert has come in that someone we know died. Except for or did they? Or did they? Yeah! Beep 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 We interrupt your previously scheduled news broadcast to bring you death. Som- <laughs> <laughs> Some more death and tragedy. No. <laughs> anyway so the way we heard about this death was it's a very convoluted grapevine at this point and we still have not received confirmation that this person is dead and there's still no obituary there's no statement there's no nothing and i'm just scrambling because i called the pastor of the cupola and he didn't know and You know, we were kind of joking. We're like, oh, well, if anybody knows, it's him. Because he knows, like, ten minutes before someone takes their last breath, he's already tweeted about it and started prepping the memorial. (laughs) Like, he knows. It's the truth. Yeah. (laughs) and Because I've done many a memorial with this man. I'm aware of how this works. (sighs) But I, I, it's it's just a really uh, heavy reminder to me that life is short. Life is way too short to be stuck in a job that makes you doubt yourself and makes you feel miserable and makes you question your worth as a person. Life is too short. I know it is. It's too short. And, you know, you deserved a better retirement and a better quality of life away from the cupola. Um, so this week, as far as chronologically telling our story, we're going to go, um, off the beaten track for a little bit because there's something that's happening in our real lives that we need to discuss. Um it's if it's true, this is an incredibly big tragedy. Um and we're going to have to figure out how to cope with that. Um and yeah, so we're going to we're going to talk about it. We're not sure if it is true because we haven't found full confirmation as in like official confirmation via an obituary or news from a family member. But the rumor is, and the talk of the town is, that the driver of the cupola, um, who um, I did look on his Facebook page, and he had on there like April eighteenth, 2018, as his first day at the cupola. So he was a very early employee, and he was there the whole time that Ashley and I were there. Up until our last day, um, the the word is that he has unfortunately passed away. Um, it's very sudden, very unexpected. He was 72 years old. Was he really? Yeah. That's what I thought. I, I knew he was like around my mom's age. Mm-hmm. He's one of those people, I was talking to Stephen about it, and he's one of those people that you just don't think is ever going to die. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh Yeah. Like they'll be around forever for sure. Um, if he has died, um, then that's completely awful uh, because he he worked quite a bit uh, with us. Um, I think I think probably more so one on one with me than you. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I worked in activities which involved a lot of the travel and transportation schedule. So. No, really, my,
1: most of my interaction with him was him asking questions about the front desk yeah. or <laughs> or something that my de- sales department had scheduled and did it wrong or did something to offend them, him
0: or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, like to come into my office and talk about the sales department all the time yeah. and how awful it was. Yeah. Um, It is interesting too, because the way that he ran the driving schedule, everybody knew he wasn't charging the residents. And and which was kind of uh, frustrating for the owners and stuff when it came to looking at invoicing and everything. But at the end of the day, good for him. (laughs) Like seriously, you're gonna drive, you know, a 95 year old woman, to Walgreens just cause she asked and you're not gonna charge her, you know, good for you.
1: Life is too short. It is and um, in the moment, our coworker at the time, he was very dedicated to what he did and he loved what he did. He loved um, being with the residents and he um, He tends to get on a lot of people's nerves, I think, including both of ours. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But uh, in the end respect, like, I was talking to my sister until, and I told her, you know, he had passed away, and I had made the comment, she's like, I don't, on on my last day, I had a very dramatic ending, and uh, my sister had to come with me to get my things, and um, he came out, and he gave me a hug, which he didn't have to do. Um, and he just poured his heart out and said, you know, I am so incredibly sorry that they're doing this to you and it's not fair. And you know, like I, again, like I wasn't super, super close with him, but the fact that he came out and did that, that was a lot. And I think, I don't know, it, it just, it has given me a lot more respect for him. And unfortunately it was at the end of the relationship, but, um, He was good to the cupola, um, even though the cupola wasn't always great to him, which is something that I think the three of us have in common, unfortunately.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, all of us quit or put in our notice at the same time. Yeah. So the three of us, Ashley, the driver, and I, our last day was all going to be December 31st for all three of us. Ashley... Uh, we'll tell the story later, but uh, made it to the 30th and there was a terribly dramatic ending and then uh, followed very shortly, about six hours later, by me <laughs> causing another dramatic ending. Uh, so uh, Ashley and I both left on the 30th, uh, but this driver, he, he made it to his last day. Um, but he walked both of us out of yeah. the building. Yep. Um, when I...
1: And not because, like... We had to be escorted. Let's just no. say that yeah. it was just because he wanted to. Like he felt like he owed that to us. He was, was just, just so genuinely
0: sweet. It was, and and he was upset too at what was going on in the coop. he was mm-hmm. upset about all of the reasons we were leaving. Yeah, and um, it was interesting too because when he did uh, walk me back to my office, or he followed me back to my office, and I was just in tears and just having a breakdown. Um, he said that he wishes he, you know, he, he said I would do that too. You know, like yeah. if it wasn't for my retirement, I would go for that too. And, and he, he just genuinely like supportive and kind and, you know, I, I don't know. He had his quirks. He had his like way of doing things, but this man was 72 years old driving for a senior living community. Um, he did things his way Good for him. I mean, like I don't care about anything else, but like, it's it's really hard for me to think of that he's gone because he would he talked about how he you know my accountant says I need to retire because I'm going to end up paying too much in taxes. Yeah, like he just
1: retired. He literally, I mean, he's been retired for four.
0: Four months. Four months. And the rumor was that they were going to have him back at the cupola because, of course, they're desperate for employees and they're trying to bring back anyone they can. We're not on that list, but <laughs> he was still <laughs> uh, held in high regard. And also, I think it's worth noting that he, um, Ashley and I, when we were leaving the cupola, and again, we'll, we'll go into more depth with these stories, but um, the the... Establishment did not do anything for us as a goodbye or a thank you for anything for all of the work and labor we put in. Uh but the residents did. And the residents put together a goodbye party for Ashley, the driver, and I. And it was so beautiful. It was. Um they filled a room, like they filled the celebration center, which was the biggest, like multi-purpose room, just full of residents, and it was just the most lovely. And sweet and heartfelt thing and no other three employees in that building could have filled a room like that. No. So we worked in very different um, categories but the thing that we all had in common was that we loved those residents and they loved us. So yeah, uh, but the reason we think it's a we're, we're not sure is that again like this news came through the grapevine. Somebody heard it from somebody else and now everybody's talking about it but there's no real confirmation. So we're waiting to hear. Um, I've called the concierge, who typically knows everything. Uh, they weren't sure about what happened. I've called the pastor of the community. You, had she heard that at all? Yeah, she heard it, but she but said she, she hasn't gotten any confirmation. And she's waiting to hear from a family member or somebody else. because. And I also I called the pastor because I know how important the driver was to our residents and how they would want to do a memorial for him. Yeah. And, uh, you know... And I, I don't think that would have been communicated to your replacement of how important it would be to do that. I also don't think that... I don't think that she necessarily would have thought that was her problem or her responsibility. That too. Um, you know, doing a memorial. Not every... <laughs> I, it, it's... Yeah. Especially because he did not work there with her. So it wouldn't even occur to her to do that. But there's a lot of residents who love that man and who will not be able to attend uh, the service if this is true. And if there is one, uh, just because they're not able to be transported. So anyway, it's just, it's, it's very, it's hard news. We talked about it and we are, we really don't plan to talk too much about stuff that is happening currently in the community because we don't want anybody getting in trouble we don't want anybody being harassed or us to get in trouble or us Let's to get. be honest. <laughs> i don't i really don't want to get a cease and desist letter in the mail so we're gonna you know for the most part we are going to stick to our timeline and our history um but I just thought that this current event was important to note because it's an important part of our life. And we genuinely had this conversation a couple weeks ago where we are like, Oh, we definitely have to have him on the podcast Mm
1: -hmm. and we can talk
0: about our last day because, and, and the party that the residents threw for us and the pictures they took. And, um, they gave us each a champagne glass, uh, that said here's to 2022 and they said that because uh they expected all of us to have a much better year ahead mm-hmm. and that just makes me really sad because he's gone now and he didn't get a full year yeah and that's just really shitty so anyway <sighs>
1: should let you know I say no no I won't be around all right well I let's do an let intro know. thought I, tell you people I where we are today hello
0: people hi friends hi petty people that's very exciting of all the listeners we have shout out to Moscow shout out to whoever our listener is in Moscow and the group of you in Belgium you guys make me so happy Welcome Welcome to our lives. We are in a small town in Florida right now, in a downtown area, waiting for the boba church to open (laughs) so that we can get some boba tea to energize our um, conversation and topic for today, which is a difficult one. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So we recorded some stuff uh, last week when we weren't sure, but we have gotten confirmation um, that a good friend of ours or a coworker of ours from the cupola has passed away uh, very unexpectedly, very suddenly. Um, and um, this person, the driver, he quit the same time Ashley and I did and he walked both of us out when we had our brutal endings and was a big part of that. And he was also a big part of spreading our story to all the residents after we left, which... Um, he was always a good gossip, so I appreciate that. But, um, <laughs> but he passed away. Um, he's 70, 72 years old. Uh, the obituary is very disappointing. and Did you read it? But I'm, I'll pull it up. I have it. We'll read it. But um, I wanted to talk about him, about our driver. We're not going to use his name because um, I'm not connected to the family and I don't want to... Um, Offend anybody or or cross a line, but this person was really a big part of our lives, so I think it's worth talking about. Um, yeah. So with that being said, next Monday we will be attending a memorial service in the town where we used to work, and that's bringing both of us a lot of anxiety. I think because um, neither of us have been back to the town since, since our last day. And this is a really small town and the driver, he was a big part of that town. He was kind of like a celebrity. Everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. Our residents were super close to him. So we do anticipate running into some familiar people. Did you find it?
1: I did, but it says like the full obituary might be somewhere else so let me look into that Okay. because that'll make me feel a lot better yeah
0: we found an obituary or an obituary was sent to us and it was really really short and frank and sad just kind of informative like hey he died on this day here's the service there are people who work in senior livings and it becomes their whole life a lot a lot of employees who work in senior livings spend more time there than they do with their own family in their own homes uh, similar to other jobs but I feel like it's more of an emotional connection than you would get at say if you spent a lot of time at an office job there's something different when you're a caregiver of sorts I found something better okay <clears throat> so I'll go ahead and
1: read it this is this is what we were looking for okay all. <laughs> Okay, so April 1950 to April 2022. (laughs) Spent most of his career in the auto industry before retiring. (laughs) His love of friendship and community led him to his involvement in the Rotary Club. Along with his passion for helping others, he worked at. (laughs) Where he spent much of his time transferring residents to their appointments survived by his living family. Since he had no children of his own, he was extremely close to his nieces and nephews. Um.
0: He was. That's the only thing I could find on his Facebook was pictures of him with his nieces and nephews. Yeah,
1: grand nieces and nephews. Oh. Um. In lieu of flowers, the family has asked donations be made to his name. A memorial mass was will celebrate on Monday, May 16, 2022. The mass will also be live streamed. To send flowers or a memorial gift to the family, please visit Sympathy Store. Our most sincere sympathies to the family and
0: friends of... He just had a birthday. I know the residents were writing him a birthday card. One of them sent me a picture of the birthday card that they left in the mail room for everyone to sign. Um, and we still don't know the, all of the details of how he died, but we knew that he was sick and he went to rehab for a while. And I think he was in rehab at the time of his birthday, which is why residents were putting together a card for him. So it's interesting that they did mention the community in his story. Mm-hmm. But it also breaks my heart that they don't really expand on his life before that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, like, it,
1: I think this truly was his whole life. He didn't have children. He never got married. You know, like, his entire retire- retirement, quote-unquote, was <laughs> his life in,
0: in the The cupola, town. yeah. hmm And, um that's really shitty because he asked for a raise um, and for certain things to change before he left and the answer was no Mm -hmm. that combined with all of the things that added up to Ashley and I leaving uh, led him to put in his resignation so Though he committed much of his life, of the end of his life, his golden years to this community, um, they didn't give him anything in return, and that's awful. And uh, when we found out of it, about this, um, we I reached out to the pastor that we work with at the community, or that I used to work very closely with. He and I did a lot of memorials over the years, and I just reached out directly to him and asked him to please make sure something is done for the driver at the community because there needs to be something in memoriam of him Um, and I think it's interesting how much that's gone over everybody's head how important he is Uh, for example there was a Facebook post from the cupola Um, I think it was uh, for Cinco de Mayo Facebook post and they were celebrating and dancing and everything and uh, they've only recently started really actively posting on Facebook. Before that, Ashley did all of the Facebook posting, and I think they've had a hard time filling that position. But um, so this was just out of the blue, nowhere. And it was maybe like two days after everybody knew that, that um, the driver had passed away. And somebody commented, somebody from the town uh, commented on that post and said it, it wouldn't hurt to mention Insert driver's name here, um, which is frankly just like a level of pettiness that is, <laughs> I, I, I worship at your feet, sir. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing because absolutely what no mention of him, but it's like, but it, the fact that the, the community is mentioned in his obituary, but the community has made no effort to. Um, memorialize him is baffling. And I did ask the residents, uh, the residents that I've been texting with, um, they're independent living residents, but um, there's a couple that I'm still in contact with. And I asked if anything had been done, if any pictures had been put out or anything, and they said no. So, but they're putting lamps out. They're putting lamps
1: out? Yeah, you know how they had talked about putting like lamps and things on all the credenzas after four years they're finally doing it now so that the dollar store stuff doesn't get put out
0: the dollar store store stuff by the way is stuff that the residents put out on the credenzas by the elevators because it's their community and so they're like oh i'm gonna decorate for mardi gras on my credenza on my floor but That doesn't um, have anything on it. <laughs> on this empty credenza on my floor. And so, which I always thought was really charming that the residents decorated the credenzas the way they wanted. But marketing doesn't agree. So they have, they're actively working on uh, putting lamps and proper decor up four years later. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so um, I think we're going to talk, we're going to expand on this a little bit. Um, because, And this is a hard subject, but I can't think of... Um, a more appropriate time to introduce it and talk about it, but we're going to talk about death and senior living Mm -hmm. and what that looks like and what it looks like for the staff, for the residents, for the family. Um, i I think it's really something that is missed a lot in conversations about senior living because i also think the way that we market it is that it's an extension of your life and we really try i think the marketing really tries not to talk about end of life or end of life care because it's such a taboo subject especially in american culture we don't talk about death and so um, everything's like, you're going to have this great active life. You're going to have all of these social activities. You're going to, you know, your life is going to be better than it ever was. And that may be true um, for a lot of our residents, but it's still going to be, in many cases, the last place that these people live, the last home, the final, you know, landing place. And if you're not prepared for it, things can go things can be really really hard um everything from when you okay so ash why don't you explain like what kind of paperwork people go over when they start moving into a community as far as end of life care um so when you sign a, a contract one of the many documents
1: that is gone over when signing to move into senior living is the end of life forms and it essentially will just like go over like what is it what are your wishes and um it's something that is obviously very difficult to talk about when you know uh sales and marketing department you know talks up of how grand their this new life is going to be for them and then like there's this downfall of these documents that talk about like the end of your life and um so it's really just if you have preparation uh if you've already thought about and um planned for what your wishes are at the end of your life do you want a dnr put in place um do you have funeral homes set up if that's already taken care of it's it's good for the community to know, so then that way, when it comes time that a resident has passed, the family doesn't have to scramble to organize things. It's, it's taken care of, it's in our files, and then we can just pass it on to whoever is appropriate, depending on how that resident has
0: passed forward um Um, if you don't have a funeral home picked out if you if that's something that you haven't talked about or is not in a file somewhere then we have to send them to the morgue mm -hmm. we have to send them to the hospital the community like it's it's a lot more traumatic for the families if that isn't sorted out ahead of time Mm -hmm. because you're gonna have to literally track down your loved one's body and get it to where it needs to go
1: that, um, like, when I look at it, it's really important to have those difficult conversations so that when it does come into place, and honestly, it's not even just in senior living. It's with death, death in general. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you have those things in place because that way you know exactly what your loved one would have
0: wanted. Yeah, and I think it's... You don't want to wait until they can't tell you anymore. You don't want to wait until they're so sick that they can't verbalize or express how they want to be buried, where they want to be buried, um, what to do with their things, their belongings, things like that. And a lot of people... um, when you have that conversation initially, you think, oh, that's that's enough. We've done it. But it's something you need to revisit every single year because mm-hmm. needs change. So, for example, one of the most horrific deaths um, that I witnessed in um, senior living was at the cupola. And it was a memory care resident. And the family had not updated her DNR. So she... Which is a do not resuscitate order. Yes. Yeah, so she did not have a do not resuscitate order in place at all. This woman was so fragile. She was so confused. She By the end, she wasn't speaking anymore. Um, and she declined rapidly. And... Um, They, they didn't sign the DNR. She had not signed a DNR that had not been updated. So when the, so she wasn't on, which means also she wasn't on hospice. um, So she didn't have a hospice caregiver with her. So when she died, when they found her, they had to call the ambulance and the ambulance had to come in. The um, EMTs can't call time of death. That has to be done by a physician. So if the EMTs come across a dead body and there is no DNR, they have to resuscitate. And so they strapped this, this fragile, like crippled woman up to an electronic, I don't even know what it's called, but the, the heart pump machine. Mm -hmm. So which I don't know really how to describe it other than it's literally as if you're doing the, um, Oh my gosh. I can't even think of the name when you push the heart to (laughs) hold on. And it's like, it's not resuscitation. It's, um, AED. Okay. Yeah. So they have the AED. So, but they essentially had to strap this woman to a stretcher and they put that thing, the heart pump on her and they put it at full blast all the way to the hospital until somebody could declare time of death. Um, this also happened in the middle of an event, meaning we were all outside with our residents out on the lanai having a party. There was music, there was food, We watched the ambulance come up, and we watched her roll out on this gurney. And because she wasn't deceased, they didn't cover her body. So it was on display for everyone to see, and it was the most horrific thing I've ever seen was that machine pulling and jerking that tiny old woman up and down and up and down as the EMTs loaded her onto the truck. And that's what's going to happen if you don't have a DNR order in place, if you don't accept that death is coming. Um, When it does come, the people around like by law we have to do our best to keep them alive and so it's just it's a terrible it's so traumatizing that was such a traumatic event for the staff and frankly the cupola should have had mental health services in there the next day for that team who had to deal with that who was on the floor who found her who had to discuss with the emts what to do they should have had mental health services because that was horrific Mm -hmm. um But that's the kind of stuff you're facing. And another thing when we're talking about death and senior living, um, I would would make sure if you're looking at a community uh, for your loved one, I would be very aware of where the dining rooms are and where your loved one's room is and ask about the routes that are taken when somebody does die. How does that body get to the funeral home? And I say that because if, so for example, in the cupola um, for assisted living, there's a dining room on the second floor, which is also a residential floor. There's a dining room and about 20 apartments on that floor. And the dining room is just full of big, beautiful windows that look out into the common area where we have concerts and activities and all sorts of stuff. So if somebody on the second floor passes away... There is no other way to get them to the elevator than going straight past the dining room and through the common space. Um, A lot of, I, there are so many, so many instances where um, my job has been to get people out of those spaces so that they could move a body. So we could get the resident who's passed to the, the freight elevator and out the back so that they can leave with dignity and not surrounded by residents asking what has happened. Because it's also very traumatic for them. And you can imagine sitting and eating lunch with your friends and then watching Mary Louise roll on down to the elevator mm-hmm. one last time. That's that's awful. And it's awful to be faced with that kind of reality every day. So we try to make it as sensitive as possible. But it's just, if, if, it, if the conversations haven't happened, if the family's not prepared... Um, then things go badly. I will say the the deaths that go the smoothest are people who are on hospice, if you have a hospice caregiver. Um, We've talked about staff-to-resident ratios. That resident-to-staff ratio doesn't change if someone is dying. There is no one-on-one care unless you put your loved one on hospice. Uh, That's the only way that somebody gets one-on-one care 24-7, someone to be with them to keep them clean, to keep them comfortable, to make sure all of their needs are taken care of. And also when the time comes, they're the ones who manage that transition from senior living to the funeral home. So that's a really um, important thing. And I know people don't like to talk about hospice and I know it's really scary, but I think one of my like biggest regrets in life is not insisting that my mother go on hospice earlier because she would have had a better ending had she had a hospice caregiver by her side the whole time. So that's just some food for thought. Um,
1: but yeah, I, I think it also needs to be noted that hospice isn't, it's not a bad thing and it is scary it's scary to think about somebody's life ending but i i don't think there's anything better than a hospice nurse they have the best bedside manner absolutely and they know exactly how to not only help the person that is dying but the family members and they can Mm -hmm. be comforting to everybody and making sure that somebody doesn't die alone Mm -hmm. And that whether it's just holding their hand or making sure that they eat and drink. I mean, I think a a hospice is... And it doesn't always... Hospice isn't necessarily the end of somebody's life either. Right. It can be somebody that... There's hospice and then there's crisis care hospice. Yeah. Yeah. So do your research in these subjects um we are not here to bash on senior living I think I think looking into senior living is really important there comes a stage I think in everybody's life where it becomes difficult to take on caring for a senior and um I think senior living is something that everybody should consider when it becomes a point in their life. For that, um, yeah, we just wanted to improve. We wanted to improve mm-hmm. because our experience within senior living was very poor.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and again, senior living is just—it's just a different line of work, and so the people who take on these jobs. For the most part, especially those who are on the floor every single day with residents, have hearts of gold. People who genuinely have a heart for this work are amazing and incredible. And that is one of the reasons why we keep everybody anonymous and we're not openly, um, you know, bashing this community because we love so many people who work there and live there still. Um, yeah, so... I think also it's important to um, if, if senior living is something that you're looking into or or, um, thinking about for a loved one um, and that and your loved one is passing away, I would definitely always consider having some type of memorial for that community, giving the community closure. The best memorials I've ever done have been ones where the family is directly involved. And if you talk to an activities director about wanting to do a memorial, they, they will be thrilled because they know that these residents are going to crave that closure. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the really hardest parts about the pandemic was we didn't have closure. We had to watch. So we had 36 residents died during The lockdown and the pandemic from when we couldn't have visitors and we couldn't have residents mingle at all to when we could start having group activities and people could start roaming the building freely. Um, So one of the things that I did when that stopped or when we were able, as soon as we were able to, was that the March after... So there was March 2020, that was the big shutdown. So March 2021, I turned um, one of the lobbies into a memorial space. And uh, my coordinators, um, my team was so incredible, but they worked really, really hard on gathering photos of all of these residents and staff who had passed away during the pandemic. None of the residents had died of COVID. We were very lucky to not have an outbreak in our building. But there was still 36 photos laid out um, in the lobby. And it was such a like powerful and heartbreaking sight. Um, and I'm sad you weren't there to see it because it was really good. Ashley was on maternity leave at that time bitch huh. so, <laughs> so she couldn't help me with it but it was it, it was really it was such an emotional project but I had so many residents come into my office and and just express gratitude and saying I didn't even know that you know, John had died. You know, thank you for remembering him, and thank you for bringing this up. And we had spouses of residents come down, and and I put books out in front of all of the photos so that residents and staff could write memories of these people. And then the books were given to the families after the memorial. Um, so that was a really powerful closure, uh, powerful closure for the residents and for the families. Um, at the end of the pandemic, I think. But that's, it's really important to realize too, that like, if you have somebody in senior living, there are people there that care about that person. Like people care about your mother in senior living. People think about her all day and all night and get, you know, things ready specifically for her to bring her joy. We have staff that genuinely just wrap their hearts and minds around those people just like our driver did. He thought about these residents all the time. He was on call every weekend because he lived in the town. He just wanted to make sure everybody got where they needed to go. So when the time comes that these residents pass away, it's incredibly devastating. Um, If the family doesn't want to do a memorial or any type of work with the community to help them say goodbye. Not that it should be about them or saying goodbye. Sometimes some families, I, I totally understand, just aren't able, but what we really need is permission to to do a memorial. Um, beyond that, there's no more extra work. If I just get the word from the family that, yes, you can put together something for my mother's, for the residents to say goodbye, then I'll, I'll take it from there. Um, and that closure is really important because... These residents have said goodbye to so many people in their lives and to not have the opportunity to say goodbye to their closest friends at the end of life um, can be really devastating. Um, So let's talk. um, Individual situations, are there any deaths that stand out to you, um, Ashley, that you've dealt with that are just like specifically just memorable or stuck in your head? Um,
1: I can remember, I feel like, I think everybody has, um, will remember, like, the first, their first experience with death and seeing a resident or just learning about them passing in general. Um, I remember, for me, it was a resident, she was one of the first residents that had passed away, and, um... It was somebody that I was... She was one of the first residents to move in. I was very close with the family. Loved the resident dearly. And it really broke me when she passed away. And, um... I don't... I don't remember if a memorial was done or anything. But I just... I remember, like, my experience with the family. Um... And when i had learned that she had passed i was i mean i was broken i mean like Cece had said we spend eight hours a day with these people seven or five days a week at least if not more Mm -hmm. um so a lot of these people like we form relationships with they become our family just like um you know like you spend 40 hours a week at your job well our job are these residents and um making sure that they're happy and they're in their home protected um so I remember I think everybody always remembers their first um I can't specifically remember anything that was super traumatizing
0: but you obviously like you you have your favorites and um I think um, that resident, she died, if I remember correctly, she died at night. And so the transition Mm -hmm. was very smooth. That does happen a lot where residents will just wake up in the morning and their friends are gone, Mm -hmm. which is really sad. Um, But the second resident who died, she died in the middle of the day and the funeral home came at lunchtime. Um, And it was the first death that the staff had really dealt with. And she lived on the second floor and she had to be wheeled out past the dining room. And I remember this is going to make me cry, but I remember all of the um, servers lined up against the window. Yeah, it was really hard. We had, um, (laughs) they lined up just to to watch her go and say goodbye and also to
1: cover the view. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really hard one for Several of the staff a lot of the staff that were hired um, in the beginning of the cupola didn't have senior living experience um, So a lot of these things were new for them And she was she was a tough one. She was such a cute little lady she's and so I didn't sweet. specifically have um, Like a bond with her she's very sweet, but um I, re- I specifically remember many of the staff being devastated over the death of this resident and several people crying on my shoulder yeah. um, because they didn't know how to process it. when um, When her health started to decline a lot of the staff members went to go and visit her in the hospital which is very inappropriate but um you know it's just like it's it's just such a touchy subject because obviously they're doing it with the best intention and because they like love this resident and they want them to be okay and um but it just it really is it's inappropriate for a staff member to have any type of connection with any resident outside outside of, the outside of their home yeah um, so that yeah I, I do remember that that was very very tough for a
0: lot of people I think that's a really hard boundary to set when you are so invested in these people's lives but I think it's important too mm-hmm. Um we had talked about there was a more recent um death that was really awful and i had talked to somebody who said that they were done with senior living after having to witness that and mm-hmm. um and i kind of took a step back i mean i i'm done with senior living as well but but not because of that and i talked to ashley about it and i'm like am i numb to this am i i i've just seen so much mm-hmm. um, and some of the deaths aren't are, are not as traumatic some of them are very like peaceful, like um. He got fully dressed. He was so cute. <laughs> oh my gosh, he was the cutest man, like the cutest old man. And he was really new. He didn't live with us very long, but um, this man would not leave his room. Like I've I've known a lot of ladies that won't leave their room unless they're fully dressed with their makeup on and everything, but this man was prim and proper and had to have his hair combed he had to have his like slacks pressed he had to have his suspenders and his sweater vest on and he was so precious and um he called his daughter every morning before he left his room and every night and one morning he didn't call and so Uh, She called the front desk and sent somebody to check on him. And he was sitting up in his armchair, fully dressed, ready for the day. And he had passed away. Um, And that one was just like, it was sad, but it was also just very, almost full circle, I feel like. I feel like it came with its own closure almost. I mean, it was just one of those things, it's like, not as traumatic of a way to go it's just kind of like oh he he was ready Mm -hmm. he was he he got dressed he got ready to go and and he was ready and that was it and um and he had you know signed a dnr and everything if you um die without a witness bt dubs i don't know if everybody knows this but if you die and there's no one in the room to witness it they have to send police to investigate it regardless Mm -hmm. So we did have the police come, and and there was a little bit of like gossip around the residents and everything about that. But honestly, that was probably the most um, it's it's hard it's a hard word to use, but I don't want to like say satisfying deaths. But it just made more sense to me. Like it was it was sad, but it wasn't traumatic, and mm-hmm. it, and it made sense. It it went full circle. It made sense. Um, I had a. <laughs> some of the deaths that I've dealt with over the years I think probably um my second most traumatizing one there was a couple um at my first community the one where I was a CNA and the woman was a hot mess and she was always like smoking out of her balcony and it was a smoke-free building so they were always getting in trouble for that but um her husband was really confused and he fell in the shower um And I got the call on my walkie-talkie that somebody needed backup. And so I went up to the room, and there was blood everywhere. And my coworker was sitting on the ground holding this man and holding a towel on his head. And the towel was red. And we called 911 and everything. And my job was to keep the wife calm and to, like, keep her separated from it. And he... Um, Got taken away, and he sustained really terrible brain damage, really distinct brain damage. And the wife, who was also very confused, she went with him to the hospital, and she ended up dying within a day. Mm. She died before he did. Because it was so traumatic. It was so traumatic. So she, like, passed out at the hospital. That's awful. And and died after seeing her, the love of her life like that. And she kept saying that, too. She said, what am I going to do? He's the love of my life. What am I going to do? And I remember my coworkers. And again, like, I just think that this, this is a piece that's missing. Is that, um, is that mental health, that mental health piece is missing for how we take care of the staff. And because, um, by the end there were three of us up there, three CNAs. Okay. We're not. I was paid ten dollars and fifty cents an hour, um, and my friend was paid ten dollars and fifty cents an hour to hold a bloody towel to that man 's head and and I was keeping his wife calm and uh, my other friend was was grabbing more towels and finding supplies and like this kind of stuff happens every single day in senior living and it 's not recognized and it 's not noticed um and it just goes and, and, and in some point, parts it's part of the job, but also it's, it's part of the personality and the kind of heart and the kind of care that people take for these people. So it is incredibly, it can be incredibly traumatizing to deal with death in senior living. And especially when it is one that is unprepared for, um, or accidental or unexpected. Um, and I, think a lot of people when what's one of my biggest warning signs for people or like when I think, Oh oh no, she's going downhill is when people start falling. Um, I don't think people realize how dangerous falling is for seniors. Um, the, the rumor is about the driver that, that this started with a fall and, um, it, a single fall can kill you. A broken hip can kill you. It that's a lot of a lot of times the trigger that starts people's decline. So um, I, th- I think those mobility pieces are really important. Make sure that you know, like using a walker. I wish that that was less stigmatized. There were so many there's are so many residents who don't want to be seen using a walker, mm-hmm. and I just want to beg them, like please use a walker. Please, you know. Go fully dressed, sitting in your chair. Go when you're ready. Don't go because of something preventable or something accidental or something that is going to traumatize everyone who knows you. And not that people are in control of their own death or anything, but you you know what I mean. I just think that there's, there's things we can do to make the end of life smoother. And part of that is recognizing that it has to happen. There's an ending to everything. So with that in mind, with the, um, specifically with uh, the full understanding that senior living work is hard and it is emotional and it takes really special people to do this kind of work, um, Ashley and I will be attending a memorial next Monday and we will be saying goodbye to, to one of the cupola's best And, uh, you know, he may have been a pain in the ass at times, but that man loved his residents. He loved them so much. And I am worried that we are going to see some residents decline after this because they loved him. Mm -hmm. So anyway, this has been brutal. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it hurts, but I think that's a good, it's a good place to end until next week. Um, we'll definitely try to
0: bring some laughter into your ears. <laughs> well, next week uh, we'll be talking. Uh, next week is going to be a rage episode. I, I, I spent a good hour raging about the kitchen, so I think we'll be okay for that. We'll pick things up a little bit, but... Talk to your loved ones about end-of-life services and do it now before they can't make their own decisions. Um, You know, my husband and I have an end-of-life plan and we are 31. It's important. You never know what could happen or when it could happen. And I know we don't want to talk about it, but have the conversation and go get some boba tea (laughs) and then it's all going to be okay. And that's what we're gonna do. Because it's important to stay hydrated. <laughs> stay hydrated, bitches. <laughs> and stay petty. <laughs> All right, until next time, everybody. Bye.
1: I say no. I gotta let you go, thought I should let you know I say no, no, I won't be around I gotta let you go, thought I should let you know Aye.